Hello and welcome to this Linklater's podcast on payments regulation. The European Commission has ambitious aims to modernise payments in the EU. These take the form of new draft legislation that plans to reshape the EU's payments rules under PSD2. To discuss these proposals, inevitably dubbed PSD3, I'm joined by two of our payments regulation experts, Andreas van Im and Francis Hodgkins. Andreas, what's your take on the Commission's proposals for PSD3? Well, the first thing to say is that PSD3 is actually an evolution and not a real revolution. Many of the requirements that apply to payment transactions today will continue in one form or another. But that being said, there's still plenty of homework in here for payments firms, actually. There are several new or amended tools which imply IT build, which will come with more investment costs. This means that the timetable is also very important. For the time being, we only have draft proposals at the table, but at some point in the next couple of years, you're going to have to start engaging with the practicalities of how you'll meet the new standards. Thanks, Andrea. So and I believe the, the idea is that they're going to merge the electronic money regime with PSD2. Francis, is that something that will be welcomed, do you think? Yes, so that's right. The two regimes are already closely connected, so the merger um, will simplify things. However, firms probably care more about what's actually going to change in relation to scope and the direct obligations that they'll have to comply with on a day-to-day basis. Um, So what I think is more significant is that the proposals pick up most of the rules in PSD2 and actually move them into a regulation. So that's the new PSR1. This is important because the rules in PSR1 will apply directly across the whole of the EU, therefore removing scope for member states to make rules in different ways. And presumably that will actually improve the consistency of how these rules are supervised and interpreted. Okay, well, that sounds like uh, a good outcome. Andreas, what else is going to be welcomed by the industry? Well, there are several items that I hope will be welcomed by the industry. And the first one I would like to, to highlight is the removal of the fallback interfaces. As you may remember, PSD2 introduced new rules designed to stop you screen scraping, which is actually allowing a third-party service provider to pretend to be you. PSD2 required banks and similar firms to create what we call dedicated interfaces for sharing data access. It also required them to create a fallback interface. And this has proved to be rather controversial and actually difficult in practice. So removing the need for a fallback is is good news. Although for most banks, this represents some cost because you've already gone through the trouble of creating one actually. Another thing that I would like to welcome uh, is the idea of opening up access to payment systems. The Commission suggests changing the Settlement Finality Directive so that payment firms can have direct access to payment systems, meaning they should no longer have to rely on indirect access via traditional banks. And this is something that non-bank payment service providers have wanted for some uh, for some time now. Okay, so those are some of um, the things that are going to be welcomed, but it's, it's not all good news for payments firms. What do you think the main potential pain points are going to be under these proposals? Well, unfortunately, as with any new type of legislation, there are also some uh, difficulties uh, ahead of us. And I mentioned at the start that several new rules require IT built and IT changes. And dashboards is just one of the examples. With a view to encouraging financial data portability, the PSR1 forces payment service providers 
create not only a dedicated interface for third-party providers, but you will also be required to build a dashboard for your own clients to manage their data access. So for example, this will allow a client to monitor, withdraw, and re-establish the access they gave to third parties. This will likely create a bit of fuzz and IT costs for the more traditional banks. We now also need to develop and provide for this type of dashboard. But interestingly, the Commission has suggested something similar in its separate proposals on open finance. So this is clearly central to the vision for a more modern payments framework. And another example I would like to flag is the new verification service that payment service providers will need to do. This is actually a check to see whether there's a match between, on the one hand, the unique identifier and the name of the payee when the payer gives that information. That's actually very good news for customers because it reduces the risk of fraud and misdirected payments, but there's another thing to add to the list of many for EU payment firms to develop. And lastly, I would highlight transaction monitoring. Uh, there's a new rule in PSR1 which requires you to use transaction monitoring mechanisms, and these mechanisms should track environmental and behavioral characteristics relating to people's payment habits. This information can then be used to support inherence for the purpose of strong customer authentication, or SCA, as well as identifying fraudulent payment transactions. Thanks, Andreas. A few things stand out for me. The first relating to strong customer authentication. Here, the proposal suggests a new rule which requires you to provide alternative routes for authentication for people such as those with disabilities, elderly people, and people who don't have access to a smartphone. So having spent several years investing in strong customer authentication, firms will need to think about how to adapt to meet these new accessibility requirements. For those in the UK, or at least familiar with the UK's consumer duty, this is going to sound familiar. It's also worth pointing out that PSD3 makes changes to own funds rules, meaning that capital requirements might change, for example, to reflect inflation, although there are exceptions to this. And finally, changes to authorization rules require payments firms to have a winding up plan. Again, to draw a comparison with the UK, the FCA has required payments firms to have wind down plans for a couple of years and we've seen the SCA be quite critical about these plans for being overly optimistic or not detailed enough. So it will be interesting to see whether similar issues start to come up when the EU introduces similar rules. Thanks, Francis. Andreas, what else has caught your eye from these proposals? Well, unsurprisingly, it's mainly regulated payment firms who are going to be most interested in, in the proposals in PSD3 and PSR1. But there are actually uh, new requirements which will also affect technical service providers. And these are businesses which facilitate payment transactions, but aren't themselves involved in any actual payment flows and therefore escape the scope of uh, PSD2 so far. PSR would make technical service providers liable for financial damage for failures relating to strong customer authentication, which is a significant move. And the European Banking Authority would also be given new investigatory powers over these tech firms. Another change that caught my eye is um, the Commission's proposals with respect to commercial agent exclusions. This is a concept we all know, but it hasn't been harmonized so far. And the idea is now to harmonize it amongst the different member states because they have been taking different approaches in, in practice. Uh, it will also refer to the definition of commercial agents in different pieces of legislation. And the idea is to substantially narrow down the exclusion. So for example, e-commerce platforms acting on behalf of both buyers and sellers 
without them having any real autonomy to negotiate, won't be able to benefit from the exclusion under the new regime. That's definitely one for platforms to keep an eye on, especially those that are currently relying on the exclusion. Now, we said at the, the outset of this episode that the, the timetable is going to be really important. So, Francis, what happens next? So it's worth saying that this legislation, so PSD3 and PSR1, they are just proposals at this point in time. So before becoming law, they will need to go through the EU's legislative process. And that normally takes around a year to 18 months. But we know that the European elections are taking place next year and that might delay things. Even so, we're expecting to see the text finalised around the end of next year or at the start of 2025. And the changes then to the payment system access under PSD3 starting to apply after six months. And then everything else starts to apply after 18 months, most likely at some point in 2026. Existing firms benefit from transitional provisions to ease entry into the new regime. And this is important because, as we've discussed, there are areas of uplift between PSD2 and PSD3, such as winding up plans and dashboards. There is also a review clause, meaning that a few years after PSD3 is finalized, the Commission needs to consider if the scope has been appropriate. And this could be particularly relevant to those technical service providers I mentioned before. And another wider review is due a couple of years later, which would set the scene for a PSD4. And no doubt uh, we'll return to that uh, in, in a future episode. Um, but final thoughts on PSD3 for now. Francis, how much of a big deal is this? So it's definitely a big deal. And firms are already starting to carry out impact assessments to look at what it actually means for them in practice. So for those operating in both the EU and UK, there's also an interesting dynamic developing between the two regimes. We're clearly seeing divergence in some of the detailed requirements as both regimes evolve independently of each other. But actually, there seems to also be convergence in the outcomes that the regimes are seeking. So whether that's the rollout of verification of payees, protecting vulnerable customers, or boosting how financial data can be shared securely. I definitely agree, Francis. And I would also remind all of you that it's just one example of a wider range of policy work. PSD3 was released at the same time as draft legislation, for example, open finance and the digital euro. And in recent days, we've also seen the EU publish more draft rules on crypto asset regulation, operational resilience. We also have the AI Act moving closer to completion. The regulation on instant payments is moving forward too. So to end it up, I could mention many more examples, but um, I'll, I'll just sum it up by saying there is a lot for you to keep on top of. Uh, a lot indeed. Thank you, Andreas and Francis. You can visit the Linklater's knowledge page for more information on PSD3 and the related proposals on open, fi open finance and the digital euro. Um, and obviously do get in touch with us if you have any questions. Until next time, thank you for listening and goodbye. Mm -hmm.